Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket and I'm pleased to say that Simon and I after our, well, you could call it globe trotting, although actually we've been subcontinent trotting rather than globe trotting really, but we're back in, in Blighty now uh, together uh, to look ahead to the Sri Lanka England test series and talk about our, our trips and also later we're going to hear from a Welshman who is teaching the Indians how to bowl pace, how to bowl quick, so... That could be quite an interesting story. Um, firstly, we should just talk about where we've been and why we've been there. You were in Sri Lanka. Yeah. Um, you spent a lot of time looking at the weather, I should imagine. <laughs> well, I call it the blue tarpaulin series because yes. I saw a lot of tarpaulins, a lot of blue tarpaulins on cricket grounds in Sri Lanka. I mean, having said that, they still managed to complete five of the six white ball matches, albeit they were all truncated and we sensed as we we're going to go to the ground that they were all going to be truncated. But, you know, there was much to keep us interested in, in the cricket that was played. And, you know, you never know in a World Cup next year, England might find themselves in a, in a vital game having to play a 22 over a side game or having to work out the, the Duckworth-Lewis when they're on the chase or the duck with Lewis when when they're in the field, which is what Owen Morgan said, you know, and then the pressure's going to come on him as captain. So in that sense, you know, useful. I mean, slightly frustrating, obviously, just watching lots and lots of rain fall. I mean, the, the, the rain in Sri Lanka, when it does fall, I mean, it, it is the heaviest I've ever experienced. It, I mean, it is absolutely stunning. I mean, it, is, it is, you know, a, a feat of nature. A tropical, yes. tropical storm. So where have you been then? Well, I, I've been in India, and uh, and I've been researching... The basically the evolution of the T20 game and the IPL and talking to lots of people about that. I've just been down in Bangalore talking to Raul Dravid, uh, who's just a part of a new academy down in South India, uh, which he's sort of partly supervising, which is an interesting exercise. Got a private coaching academy with lots of sports, and, and he's very enthusiastic about it. He's also he's doing the, uh, the the job as the Indian A coach, so he's a bit busy man actually, and. Uh, 
it's funny because it's in India. Of course, it's Diwali at the moment. And it, health and safety has even reached India now because they're only allowed to let off fireworks between 8pm and 10pm. And they're, they're not allowed to make a big bang. They're only allowed to make sort of little fuck noises. So that great big sort of Diwali celebration, which will happen all around the world probably in the next few days, in India will be a bit of a muted affair. I think Well, it'll be tremendous in terms of families and get-togethers and parties and so on, but the actual fireworks might not be quite as explosive as, as in the past because the old governments got in there and, and sort of poured water on their party. Really? Yeah. Well, and they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're getting sort of legislation mad in India now. They're even kind of recycling plastic. Can you believe it? <laughs> well, that obviously is a good thing, but, I mean, you know, there's, it, it, you always get a sense of when you're in India that almost anything goes, don't you? Yeah. So you think that's, no, you think that's no changing plastic, a bit? No plastic is allowed in... No plastic bags, sorry, in Maharashtra, which is Mumbai and all the peripheral areas. Um, so you go into the market to buy your whatever, you know, cheap handicrafts or, you know, whatever. And uh, you used to have those little blue plastic bags. Now you've got to go away paper bags. And if there's a little drop of rain, they rot and your present falls out through the bottom. Well, you should know somewhere wherever you go now, you should take a bag with you. Yeah, no, you're you right. The supermarket. You're right. I did a you stupid thing, actually. You amount of plastic I, in the world. I found a fantastic restaurant in Bandra in Mumbai, um, which was just a right, it felt like the old days of the Raj, beautiful kind of rustic sort of setting inside and uh, quite dark and sort of lanterns everywhere and most fantastic food. And I ordered a massive curry for one, right? <laughs> Could only eat half of it. So I thought, well, I'll bring it back and have it tonight. Doggy bag. Doggy bag. So I brought it back on the plane, left it on the plane. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so uh, it was all very interesting. Why, but why does that surprise me? No, I don't know. Or well, doesn't surprise um, me. So some air steward has now got a nice dinner for themselves in the fridge of one of the jet planes. Um, well, your leftovers. Yeah, my leftovers. Uh, you know, yeah. It was high-class fish curry. Right. Even you might have eaten it. Right. Um, but why I mentioned Diwali, partly, is a sort of little segue into a message I've got for, for all of you listeners about the Cricketer magazine which, um, don't worry, it's not going to close or anything. We've got a new issue out <laughs> this month, uh, which is, uh, by the way, sort of highlighting the greatest international captains, and we want you, the readers, to vote on who you think was the greatest international captain. We've listed them and, and also profiled some of them, people like Imran Khan and uh, Mike Brealy, obviously, inevitably, but some quite interesting ones. Well, Mark Taylor gets the vote from us, uh, about the best Australian captain. So, you know, quite a spread of it. Arjuna Ranatunga, was he at large at all? In uh, No pun intended there when you were out in he, Sri Lanka? He most certainly was, yeah, because I mean, all sorts of political shenanigans going on in, oh. in Sri Lanka. He was arrested while we were there. That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, his, his bodyguards were trying to get him into a building and there was some sh- shooting and one person was killed and you know, he was arrested... And eventually released on bail. So I mean, it, it's it's quite a cool. volatile vo- volatile political situation. Mm. Actually, during one of the the warm up games or the first warm up game, there was a, a huge demonstration in Colombo on the day of the game. We were sort of you know, warned about you know avoid it and all that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, you could be in Colombo, a certain part of Colombo, and not not even know it was going on. I mean, it's it's really it's weird. Mm. You know, you, that sense of cricket just going on separately from. From political yes. life and all yeah. the shenanigans that are going on mm. in, in Sri Lanka. I mean, fascinating, isn't it? Also, in the Indian papers, we had a big picture of Imran Khan meeting the president of China. 
and uh, managing to negotiate a six billion dollar loan to Pakistan. Yeah. Well, you know, that's I find all that kind of thing fascinating. What what China are hoping to get out of it back and all that. You know. Well, the other, the other thing about Colombo, which is really noticeable, and, and Chinese influence there too. Well, the way it's, it's 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 extraordinary. Yeah. Going back to Colombo, I was there last four years ago. The amount of building in Colombo is just incredible, mm. and they, there's actually a, a bit of the sea which the the Goldface Hotel looks over that's, that's being reclaimed. Mm. They're, and wow. they're building a sort of a, a new sort of industrial village there. Mm. And actually, people go for I think sundowner at the Goldface Hotel. And I reckon I was just just one evening. I did go there one evening. I reckon the new village, or if it, if it gets too tall, might actually block the the sun going oh. down. So, so there's that... a few guests going to be pretty annoyed, aren't they? <laughs> well... And the sundown, I'd have to change it to some other sort of phrase. I think the business to be in, in either India or Sri Lanka, is definitely concrete, because yeah. there's just so many tower blocks everywhere. Well, the, the, I think the point is, as well, that the, the, the money that's going into Colombo is Chinese money. Yes, it but, is. And there's, yeah. I mean, there's so many luxury hotels yeah. going up. Well, they're trying to negotiate... Well, they've got this big harbour, haven't they? Hambantota, which is basically a kind of white elephant, but they wanted to build it because it's a, a valuable strategic point in in south asia to to boss the south asia to boss the south asian seas yeah. listen we could get into you know too much political stuff here this is supposed to be a cricket podcast and i i go back to the, to the to sort of diwali and christmas and the cricketer just to say that there is a special cricketer offer this christmas if you're starting to think about christmas now which is if you subscribe you get a 20 pound john lewis voucher or a free copy of Simon Wilde's new book, England the Biography, worth 25 quid. So a couple of quite nice little offers there for those who would like to subscribe to The Cricketer magazine. Go to thecricketer.com forward slash Christmas and you can get some little gifts. Goodness me, you're talking about Christmas already, well, early November. And so actually, Simon's book is very, it's very, it is very good, very good, worth reading. I mean, it's one of those books you wouldn't necessarily, you, you don't probably necessarily start at the start and go right through to the beginning, but you dip into, yeah. into various chapters. So, so here's a great strategic plan. Talking of strategies, if people subscribe to the Cricketer, they get the free copy of Simon Wilde's book. They can read it before Christmas, and then ma- patch it up and you know package it up and send it to somebody <laughs> else as a present. You see, so you get a double or even triple whammy. Anyway, so England and Sri Lanka, mm. three tests. Now, you've got some stats about the Gaul test. Well, just... All the, all the last test series in Sri Lanka. Yeah, one, one or two things about I mean, The last time England played a, a, a test series in Sri Lanka, six years ago, they played three spinners. And who, do you know who the third one was? You can think probably of Monty Panesar and, Pe- Kevin and Graham Peterson. Swan. No. Um, Robert Croft. No. Slow left armour. Uh... I'll, I'll put you out your minute. I'll put you out your misery. It was Samit Patel. So they played. Course, they played yeah. three spinners in that in that test match. The last six test matches to be played in Gaul have been won by the side batting first. Um, right. So win the toss back. Well, it seems like it. Yeah. And Harath, last time he played against England in Gaul, took twelve wickets in the match. Actually, England played quite well. And, and they in in that game they had their opportunities Frank uh, you know one stage were eight down in their second innings and uh, from memory they would they've dropped catches largely involving monty i think and you know some, some run out opportunities as well that that you know they lost so they they actually competed well in that series they lost in gaul and they they won thanks to peterson's brilliant 100 mm. in colombo but the point is of course england have uh, they've lost they haven't won for 13 test matches away from home, which is a record. Harass last test match. The feeling is that you know they're going to produce a pitch that will help him. 
Um, just talking to, to the, the England backroom staff, I mean, they feel that if they really do produce a, you know, a real raging turner, that that will actually bring in, you know, England into the game because it just then just becomes a bit of a shootout, a bit of a lottery, really. And, and I think that Moen bowls really well on turning mm. pitches. I mean, he's taken lots of wickets like the wickets in the, the series in the summer against the Indians. Mainly at home, though, rather well, than away. Well, mainly at home, but I think he's quite a mechanical bowler, mm. and he's slightly fine-tuned his action now, and I think he's a bit more consistent. So he's going to get a lot of help. Rashid, to me, is probably a luxury on a turning pitch. He's actually, I think, more effective on a, off a flat pitch, in a way, because he doesn't feel the pressure of having to perform so much, partly. Mm. But he's produced some rippers in the last few test matches as well, including the one-day series he played in. So I think it's it's kind of, it's been a lottery if the Sri Lankans produce major turning pitches because mm. England could easily win. The last time Sri Lanka played a home test series was against South Africa. They beat them 2-0, they beat them yeah. comfortably, they batted first twice. And, I mean, this is an astonishing statistic, really. Uh, South Africa lasted for over 200 overs in the series mm. and Sri Lanka in that series bowled 6.3 overs of pace. So, around 200 overs of spin. So, I mean, England, I mean, they know what's coming in the next few weeks. It's just fascinating to see how they, they get on against it. How are they looking in that warm-up game? Well, I, 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 I was there for one warm-up game. They actually played the spin pretty well. It was a flat pitch, though. So, mm. I mean, they, the Sri Lankans, you know, they weren't going to give them, you know, a raging turner to get used to conditions in Sri Lanka. On um, So, Root played beautifully mm. actually I, I did an interview with Root about uh, a week ago in which he said I you know, talked about the warm up games what, you know, is it going to be a shootout are players playing against each other you know, for places in the, in the test team and he said well, no, what we're doing he said what I want to see is people taking their opportunity so they get a chance it might be their only chance you know, because of the weather or because the, there's not much practice and of course it's exactly what Root did I mean, he, he set a perfect example to his team because he went out there and got 100 and you know there were opportunities to get 100 for other players, but Root, you know, there's that feeling of, oh, should you retire on 60 or 70? But no, he, 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 I'm going to get 100. This is this is what you do if you get a chance. It's almost like showing to his teammates, this is what you do if you get a chance. And you know there were a few at the top of the order that didn't quite take it. I mean, Rory Burns was run out, for example. Jennings didn't get many. Denley was out for 25. But okay, you know, you bat in the top four in a warm-up game like that, you do get a chance. But it was, I just thought it was quite instructive. Mm. This is what I mean. By taking your chance, easily could have retired on seventy and you, get someone else to have a go. Did, did you figure out what Stokes's problem was in that last one day game? When I know it was cramp. a while ago now, it was just cramp. It was, was cramp, it? yeah. Um, he, is he, has he got any kind? Because of, he's got this knee. Well, he said his knee. He said his knee is not as. I spoke to him as well. He said his knee is not as bad as, as perhaps feared in the right. summer. You know, he struggled a bit in the yeah. summer. Not as bad Holding as first a short run. Yeah. Um, having said that, he didn't bowl a great deal. Mm. Uh, you know, he didn't bowl in the T20 match. He didn't bowl in that first warm-up game. So I think there's sort of an element of protecting nurse, him a bit. Yeah, protecting him a bit. And also, um, you know, he, he Trevor Bayes made the point that he, possibly Stokes was sort of overtraining. Well, one of the reasons yeah, he got yeah. that that mm. cramp is because you know he would come back from the ground. There's one day where it was a sh- okay, it was a short game, but they had won the game and yeah. he went came back and went straight into the gym. Well, I mean, in that the day before one of those one dayers. I remember seeing a piece on, on telly and he, he batted for an hour and a half, then he went and bowled for about another hour, mm. and then he did about an hour's fielding, mm. and when it was raining, 
And that sort of dragging him off, they had to winch him off at the end. I think, you know, that's going to be the, the trick with Stokes, is trying to managing him, because he's just so desperate to do everything, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. And he's just kind of burn out. I mean, this is happening more and more. Players who do a lot of cricket, play a lot of cricket in their early 20s, some even before their 20, in the case of, you know, Indians, they're, they're exhausted by the age of 30. They're, they've got kind of physical age of about 50. So you, you have to manage these players. By the way, just one little... If anybody wants a sort of little tip on Sri Lanka, um, I was in a, a very interesting place in Chennai the other day, uh, which are, they're the sort of... Um, they're like I should have been 10 years ago, serious analysts of the game with a whole team of people looking at every video and every bit of data coming off all international and all domestic cricket and filing it all and clocking it all and coding it all. And they're working for various different franchises in the IPL, various different countries. One of the analysts I met is working for the Sri Lankans uh, to help them with their data and their planning for the England Test Series. And the general view in the office, in this office in Chennai, full of you know, computer boffins who've been watching the game like hawks all around the world for about 10 years is it's going to be a drawn series. Now, whether they know something about the weather, <laughs> well, I don't know, yeah. but uh, it, it, you sort of feel like it might be a bit of a grind and yeah. a, bit, a bit slow scoring and, you know, slow, low wickets with a bit of spin and a bit of rain interruption. Weather-wise, what do you reckon? <laughs> Right. I mean, it's going to get a bit better. Yeah, but not supposed, much. supposed to be, but I mean, it's hard hard to know, isn't it? I mean, people, they haven't got floodlights. No, they're not. They're not using the lights. Yeah. So, and are they going to play? What about that terrible story about the uh, the fans in Candy who are going to be kicked out of their well, hotel? Well, I think it's happening. It's happened in Gaul as well. Has it? Yeah, I think what's you know, it's, it's a big problem. There are I feel lot, really sorry for them. Yeah. You know? There are lots, lots of England supporters. You know, it's a, it's a good tour, Sri Lanka. It's an interesting yeah. place to go. And there's lots, there's lots to see and do. And in a way, I think a one-day series in Sri Lanka is better for for tourists than it, than well, in theory, anyway, apart from all the rain, than a Test series because you're you're sort of in a way you're, the Test series you're locked into the cricket, which is great if you're just a cricket nut. But if you want to see some of the island as well, you know, you, you take in a one-day international. There's a three you know three-day break between the two get in the, the next game. You get a chance to see all the you know the amazing things in. In Sri Lanka as well, the, the snakes and the elephants and the mong mm. gooses. Mong-y. No, mongooses is the plural. Is it? Yeah, of really? mongooses. Yeah, it is. Yeah. How how, how cryptic? <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. So there's lot. You know, there's a lot. There's lots to see there. Mm. So drawing a test series. Well, yeah, for that to happen, I mean, I would have thought that you think there's going to be results. Result in each game because yeah. the, the feeling. Well, I would have thought the so. feeling that you know, just talking to. No, I said a drawn Lankans. series. Yeah, but that not necessarily drawn test matches. No, no, drawn one series. drawn test match and yeah. maybe one each. Well, that's my point. To have yeah. a drawn series, you can have, yeah. to have one draw in a test match. So rain, yeah, rain could be a factor in that. But you'd think if you had full five days in each game, mm. which is you know not reasonable expectation in subcontinent when you play that you, you're not going to have a huge amount of weather interruption, then I can't. Can't see many draws, mm. but it depends on the. It all depends on the pitches. I mean, if they make those sort of slow turns, you know, I mean, SSC for example, has been has been very flat. Mm. Um, apparently, the last Test match they played, the SSC, the ball turned a lot. So mm. you know, obviously, they can make it turn there. But I mean, there's been some quite sort of attritional Test matches played on that ground. That's that's the ground for the third. So I tell you, what the, my first match I ever saw at the SSC was uh, West Indies against Sri Lanka before they were a test nation 
so the West Indies were on tour. I think they'd been in India and they were just coming into Sri Lanka for a, a quick game at the end, or two, three games. And there was a one-day game and the Sri Lankans were absolutely bursting at the seams, this ground, because the West Indies were in town and it was Viv and it was Marshall and Haynes and Greenwich and all these people. Uh, it was a fantastic West Indies team. And uh, Sri Lankans were quite good, even though they hadn't become a test nation. They had some good... They had the Wetamunis and uh, Roy Dias and people like that. They had some pretty good cricketers. They were bowled out for 66 by Marshall and co. And the crowd set fire to the stand. <laughs> they just were so incensed by it. And there was all these sort of wooden things they'd built, especially just for that occasion. You know, sort of bamboo holding up kind of fairly rickety looking stands. They all set fire to them. And I, everyone had to run away. Otherwise, I got burnt. It's a slightly better stand now. It was a slightly better ground. I mean, it does suggest the question... What were they expecting when they were up against that I magnificent know, West Indies side? True, but there, there we go. Yeah. So, uh, do you think? I mean, do you think England got a chance in this test, yeah, test series? I do. do you think they can win the test series? Yeah, I mean, Sri Lankans are not great, are they? They're not, I think they're a slightly better test team yeah. than they are one day team. Yeah. And England are a slightly worse test team than they are one day team. Mm. But yeah, I, I think that the thing is, if you do produce helpful pitches, and I think England are better with the ball on spinning pitches now than they were. Especially if they get the right team out there, then I think you can. They could easily win. Certainly one of the games. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think they obviously they got to bat well. They got to start well because, the, in a way, the best time to bat is that first ten fifteen overs. Mm-hmm. You start losing well in theory early on. In theory, but you're not necessarily. I mean, one, the reason behind people say that is because you're often facing pace bowling at the start. But yeah. I mean, but it, not now. Well, it could easily be yeah. that Shankar opened, Just the, opened both, both ends. Yeah. Yeah. They, they did that. I, I think. Why not? I think that yeah. that's. that's Makes a lot of sense to me. And if they'd been listening to their analysts from Chennai, <laughs> then they probably will be telling them exactly to do that. England, of course, do bat so far down. Mm. So that's another thing in their uh, benefit, in their advantage. But they're going to have to just make sure they make enough runs. If they make enough runs, they can win. Do you think they can win, say, in Gaul? Do you think they can win if they don't bat first? <sighs> yeah, possibly. Uh, if they bowl Sri Lanka out for under two fifty, under say under three hundred, even, mm. yeah, possibly. I'm not, oh, well, we'll see. We'll see. It's, it, I mean, that, that, it's it's a. I, I think it's a great, it's a great test ring to go there and play against. Uh, you know that, that Sri Lanka side. They came to England. They would probably they would struggle, wouldn't they? Hugely in, in our you know in the English conditions. Uh, but it's it's so different over mm. there. Yeah. It's so completely different. And you look at a player like Karen Aratney, who, you know, in that uh, Gaul Test match, the last Gaul Test match, I mean, he was the only player in the game to make more than 50. And he made 158 not out and 60 in the game. And no one else got... Mm. No one else got fifty. He he found a way. Yeah. So uh, you know, yeah. someone in that England team, yeah. one or two in that England, have got to f- somehow find a way. And, and you go back to Duncan Fletcher's old philosophy mm. against spin: just stay in the first fifteen, twenty balls are the hardest, mm. and after that, it does get easier. Mm. You've got to have a way of scoring. You need to know what are your simple options to get off strike. If you get bogged down, stuck down one end, you're going to get out. Mm. So you've got to work out a way of just. Upsetting the bowler a tiny bit, pushing singles, looking for the odd four ball, which I don't think come along too often. But if you can just keep rotating the strike, you don't get bogged down one end. That's the way to gradually upset the bowlers and, and gradually get, get a score that you can defend. How much of a loss is Bairstow, do you think, in that first test match? Um, 
uh, obviously he's a loss, but I'd, I'd worry more about him being out in a side against a seam attack. Mm. I'm not, you know, he's not that outstanding against spin. He's good against spin, but he's not brilliant. So, no, I, I, I they've, they've got so many. They've got you know, embarrassment of riches in the middle order, haven't they? Yeah, a, lot, a lot of pressure at the top of the order. Keaton yeah. Jennings, I mean, it feels as if he's battling for his mm, test again. place. I mean, we were actually recording this before England named their, their side, and we're yeah. assuming that he yeah. is going to play. And, and Rory Burns, I'm fairly certain, is going to make his test yeah. match debut. He's got that strange technique where mm. he, he's, he's leaning forward as the bowler comes into bowl. He sort of looks over his right shoulder, but he's in position. He's in a nice position when, when the ball's actually delivered. Uh, I saw him in the first warm-up game. He, you know, he looked... He looked very good until he, he ran himself out. In fact, actually, it's the one he, he looked. He looked like a run-out candidate, or, or whoever he, him, and whoever he's batting with looked like a run-out candidate. So that's the other thing. If you're playing in in Sri Lanka as well, it's hard enough against the spinners, the heat, the humidity. You also got to be, you know, you don't want to toss a wicket or two away with your running as well. Mm. Yeah, no, that's that's right. Which of course is where Bairstow is actually very good. Mm. He's he's one of those people. He's got that energy. You know, he's great between the wickets. Well, he was involved. In that, missed that. He was involved in the run out of Joe Root at Edgbaston. Well, actually, he's quite. I, I suppose he's a dangerous person to run <laughs> with because he's so quick, and sometimes he perhaps forgets that not everyone else is quite as fleet of foot as him. Right, he's a great person to run with if you're quick yourself. Yes. If you're a bit, if you're on the yeah. next level down, then yeah. he's quite a da- probably quite a dangerous person to run with. Always run with someone who's about your sort of roughly your speed. I think. Anyway, we'll keep tabs on the game, obviously. We're, we're going to be talking on Cricket Social on the BBC about it from 7am in the morning each day. Simon, you're mm. hosting that programme, so you can tune into that on the BBC website or the BBC app. And we're just going to take a little break, and afterwards we're going to look at the Welshman who's teaching the Indians how to bowl quick. Welcome back. Well, in the first half, inevitably, when you talk about subcontinental conditions and England, Sri Lanka, you're focusing on spin. But actually, you, you've been in, in India, Simon. You've been focusing on pace. And a man who's over there from, who's well known in, in Somerset and also in South Wales as well, help, helping the Indians mm-hmm. improve their battery of pace bowlers. Yeah, and they've got lots as well. I, I, if you just look around the Indian subcontinent, then each team has a couple. Of course, they had loads who came over this summer mm. for the Test Series, Bumrah being probably the outstanding example, but there's plenty of others who've either played or haven't even played yet. One guy, he's called, I think he's called Mohammed Siraj from Hyderabad. He's the son of a rickshaw driver. He's a big, strapping, fast bowler. Lots of them, anyway. And the man we're talking about is Stefan Jones, who, of course, played for Glamorgan, and he has created his own academy... Pace Academy called the Pace Lab, based at Wellington School in Somerset, where he's head of sports. So he's almost uh, taken a step back from county cricket, actually, mm. and decided to, to try and investigate the whole art of fast bowling from a scientific point of view, uh, with the aim, in the end, I think, of, of becoming you know a very high top-level coach. And he got invited out to, to Bangalore by Raul Dravid to this new academy that he's part of. He's also hoping, I think, to, to be a, a, an IPL coach as well in due course. Uh, and he was there. IPL bowling coach. Bowling coach, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and he was down in, at, at Bangalore working with some young sort of 18, 17-year-olds, all obviously aspiring pace bowlers. And I, I just thought it was interesting to find out what his philosophy was. I know what works. I know what doesn't work. Uh, and out here, they've just lapped it up because... Uh, in India, it's quite clearly 
tell me what I need to do, I'll do it, I'll improve. And, and it, it's been awesome, really refreshing. And facts don't lie, you know, some of them have put three miles per hour on in, in two days. Wow. Um, because it's just neural pathways. It's all about fast twitch fibres. Uh, which is a, a, a phrase which Dermot Reeve always used to use, actually, and sadly he never had them himself. <laughs> I think I did, but I don't know whether I necessarily made the best use of them. So what is the, the principle behind this? I mean, say you get hold of a kid, I, I yeah. saw a guy bowling there who looked like he had a nice action. Yeah. What, what are the kind of different things you're looking at to, to give them an extra three miles an hour? So first thing I do is profile them. So I, I profile them, so I test them as an athlete. Um, I actually have a swab as well, so we see if they have a particular gene that will help them bowl 90 miles per hour. Everyone wants to bowl 90 miles per hour. I was one of them. I searched hard for it. But you're born to do that. You're born to bowl genuinely quick. And when I say tell people that, they get a bit disappointed, and then I go, hang on, that will give you your pace flow. OK, that's what you're born with. And then it'll di dictate how far the ceiling goes up. So some people might be born on the fifth floor and can go up to the tenth but other people might be born on the first floor and can only go up to the third floor and you're born that's the gene uh, ACTN3RR it's called that <laughs> gene um, and that's and your sort of fast switch fiber that is basically. that is it yeah yeah and you're and what, born I mean, what do we mean by fast switch fibers do we mean it's the ability to be explosive and fast so bring uh, your arm over fast yeah basically. just everything is, is, is stretch shortening cycles so the ability to use the energy in your muscle to fire quickly, to get off that, because you need to get off the back foot really quickly and hit in as much force through that front leg as possible. Momentum is key. The guys out here don't run in properly. Shami's a great example. Bumrah's a great example. They don't run in at all. Exactly. Bumrah walks to the wicket. Exactly. So the thing is, as a coach then, you try, him to, you try to get him to run in quicker and further, but then you're always, your KPI is the speed gun. If the speed gun doesn't improve, then go, do you know what? Stick with what you got, because it's pretty good, to be honest, as it is. So I always use a speed gun mm. because it does gives you benchmarks, and again, data doesn't lie. So okay, so, so we've got the bowler. He's not running in particularly well or whatever, uh, but you've mentioned there getting off your front, back leg onto your front leg. So yeah. how do you, uh, what, what are the drills you use or the systems you use to get that to work? So I've developed my own system, which is called the skill stability paradigm. So it's basically, um, everyone has diff everyone's different. Everyone has their own idiosyncrasies. Like Bumrah is a great example. Stuart Broad, Anderson, they're all, Bertley, Shantae, they're all different. There's key points in their action that need to be the same, and that is on back foot contact, you don't want to be spending too long in it. So we've got tests that identifies that. It's about the 0.15, it's that specific, seconds, and because that... So there's two aspects to muscle, um, the stretch shortening cycle, so it's short and long. So basically, the ability to get off back foot as quick as possible, we overload that, we make it harder by isometric holds by landing from above to eccentric so every muscle contraction is trained individually it's taking the guesswork out of it it's identifying someone's limiting factors you know you bowl differently to me and i bowl differently to sean tate but there's key points back foot front foot and delivery that need to be in that right position 
it's basically a sprints model. A sprint does the same, you know, Usain Bolt looked different to Frankie Fredericks. And, and the thing about Usain Bolt that I'd never realised was that actually he spent, the key to his sprinting speed is he spends less time in, on the ground. Exactly. And that's because he puts more energy in there. Mm. But that science-based based approach isn't in cricket. Uh. And that's where I'm bringing it in. Because, say, you go to a team and you go, this bowler spends too long in his back foot. Train it. Because if we get him off the back foot, your back foot is your pivot. Your back foot cannot slow that momentum down. So you're losing that momentum. It needs to get you so, onto the front foot so, as quick as possible. OK, so, so let, let's say someone listening to this at home is going to say, well, I'm a fast bowler. I want to get off my back foot quicker. Hopping. OK. Lots of jumping, lots of hopping. We don't jump enough. The West Indies in the 70s, it didn't... And I, you know... You probably know I was the biggest weight training advocate going. You know, I could bench press more than a rugby player when I was a rugby player. But actually, it's about jumping. And the guys in the 70s just jumped. They bowled on the sand. The sand is a harder surface. Their Achilles tendon is having to work harder. So then when they bowl on concrete, they're springier because they've trained the Achilles tendon. In England, we bowl indoors all the time because of the weather. Our Achilles tendons get lazy. They don't need to work because it's really hard. So when we go outside then on grass, bowling on Derby and, and mm. these North Ants, mm. the grass isn't that firm. How many bowlers in England have ankle problems, man, and, and Achilles tendonitis? I was one of them. So lots of hopping, lots of jumping. To strengthen your calves and your Achilles, yes. basically. Right. I, if, if I was someone listening now, I would say Google a sprinter's programme, a triple jumper's programme, and a javelin thrower's programme. Do that. I guarantee you will increase pace. Well, that's Stefan Jones, former Glamorgan and Somerset player, now a coach, now a pace bowling coach. What would we take out of that? Lots of hopping. Mm. Which I, I must have, I, I never did, did that. Did lot, no? I, I, I like that philosophy, though, that, that it's it's not about things. Like, he was saying it's not about things like squats and lots of gym work. Yeah. It's, but it could actually be much more simple. And the, the whole thing about tr- speeding up the time between being on your back foot and being on your front foot so that you really hit the crease hard with your front foot, but don't spend too much time. Because I, I suppose the logic of it is, if you land, when you land on your back foot, if you land and spend too long on the ground, mm. scientifically, you're losing the momentum of your body, and the, the ground is absorbing all that momentum. So the point, the run-up is pointless. And he was saying that you know players like Bumrah, that, that barely has a run-up, and, and then just at the last minute they explode, and he, he can't, fathom that he doesn't get that at all you know you've got to use the run-up you've got to really hit the crease and he had uh, lots of these young Indian bowlers really charging into bowl whistling it down I suppose it, it it might be a bit disconcerting or disappointing to find out that you can't be a fast bowler if you haven't got fast twitch yeah. fibers I mean that because I've always said that I thought you could by getting the technical side right but he's saying, well, you, you know, you can only get past a certain stage. We well, said three, you can get become three miles an hour quicker. Yes, is that what Chris, someone like Chris Wokes, has he done yeah. that? Yeah, he has. So how do you get onto your get on and through it's your front foot be, quicker? Sorry, your back foot yeah, quicker. Yeah, it's got it's got to be the leap, 
I mean, I didn't actually watch much of the session because I had to rush off to the airport. But I saw him in action for about half an hour, Stephen mm-hmm. Jones, and you know that he was getting them to really m- motor to the crease, like Mark- Malcolm Marshall used yeah. to do, Dale Stain, you know, people like that who really come charging to the crease. The thing is, you don't want to get there too quickly either, because you then your momentum almost mm-hmm. takes you and you overbalance. So th- there has to be a build up. Actually, Anderson is a good one to look at because he starts quite slowly, but then the last six paces you can. Really really see the deliberate momentum in his run-up. He makes sure he really hits the, the, the crease hard with the back foot and gets off the back foot as quickly as possible. That's the key, isn't it? Getting yeah. off the back foot yeah. as quick so, as so possible. That, so that must be to do with the, the, the jump into the back foot. So from the, the takeoff point on your front foot, your left foot if you're right-handed bowler, when you leap off that left foot onto the back foot at the crease, that must be where you get your... your then you make sure you then spring... From the back leg onto the front leg. Hence all the hence pra- all the hopping. hopping. Practice, practice the hopping. Yeah. So get hopping at home <laughs> if you want to be a quick bowler. Lots of hopping, particularly on the right leg if you're a right armour, or the left leg if you're a left armour. But make sure you've got the fast twitch fibres to start well, with. How, how do you know that? How do you know whether you've got fast twitch fibres or not well, when you're try, on 12 or yeah, 14? I suppose you just try and bowl mm. and see how so fast quick, it comes so out. It comes out, yeah. Or throw. Yeah. I mean, he, he Stefan also talks about javelin throwing and the same sort of principles apply to anyone who can do that so you could just go throw a stone you know just go to the beach go to the park hurl a few throw throw a few stones or whatever you got tennis ball actually maybe a tennis ball is quite good because it can't do any damage <laughs> and also you the, you know you really got to throw a tennis ball very hard to get it to go fast garfield sobers you know he he practiced against a tennis ball with the bat because he said you know it's the only way to be able to really hit the ball a long way and have a massive follow through because that the tennis ball doesn't go anywhere otherwise mm. well I, I remember when I was a kid you know playing a lot of tennis ball cricket because well, because of where you play, I mean, you can't you can't play on the driveway with a cricket ball, can you? Because you'll you'll break your dad's car or in the windows of your dad's car. You have to play with a tennis ball. You learn, you know, you learn to you learn to play in a different I, I, way. I think tennis ball cricket is great. Mm. I love the bounce you get. Mm. You play indoor surfaces; it skids off. You know, you can bowl. I used to play in an indoor gym in in Ealing with a, a friend, and we used to just bowl bouncers at each other all afternoon. I, for some reason, I could never play a bouncer in a match, but. I could play it against a tennis ball. Mm. So Stephen Jones, then what? Yeah, lots of you know, there are lots of people working within fast bowling, aren't mm. there? Lots of you know, fast bowling coaches. All you know, all the teams have bowling coaches. You know, what? What makes him potentially stand out? Was it just a different theory? There'll be other bowling coaches that have their own theories about how they get their message across to their bowlers. It's partly a different theory. I think it's partly having the confidence to utilise it. I suppose he's at the advantage at the moment that he's at a school, so he can sort of try things with young players, whereas if you're at a county, you're under pressure to perform. So you can't experiment nearly as much. Uh, so actually, you know, in a way, the, his schoolboy and girl uh, pupils are like guinea pigs for experimenting with some of these scientific theories. And I think he's had quite a lot of success. I mean, he's highly thought of, and he must be highly thought of because Dravid has invited him down. I've heard him mentioned a lot in coaching circles by people saying he's doing a great job. Uh, I, I think he'll get a job with... He's, he's done a, a session with the Big Bash already. Mm. He's, he's done one of the, I think it was... I think it was the Sydney team he worked with last Christmas. So he's really emerging as as a coach to look out for. And it's great because bowling coaching is very difficult. I wouldn't even like to try and start because it's such a complicated art. 
and uh, you know no batsman understands it very few bowlers understand it the the uh really good bowling coach is worth the weight in gold mm. and also when you're being coached by Stefan Jones as well it's lovely he's lovely to listen to isn't he well you've got that lovely mellifluous Unlike voice you. <laughs> okay that's it then <laughs> that's, that's it that, no, yeah, that, that, that you, you've it. had enough for me for this week all right well we'll be back next week well we'll review the first test match um fascinating game in prospect as long as the weather holds looking forward to it yeah thanks for listening Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.